the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. And Bill Bullington's here with Michael Seeger. Hi, thanks for having me back. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, Mike is going to be uh, a partner, and he's going to be the guy that runs the Lookout for the Bull website, so you should probably get used to his voice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, we were just talking about this on, uh, on the way over here. This is going to be, a, it's going to be so much fun, and I think that uh, uh, tools have improved so much for us that um, I just, I'm really excited about it. Um, excited about the economy. You know, one of the reasons that stocks are doing so well right now is that the economy is doing very, very well. Uh, you can say it's the longest expansion. Yeah, it was also it's also one of the slowest. So I think probably the slow and steady I'd prefer over the uh, really fast and volatile. Tortoise beats the hare. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we are a long way, I think, from maximizing uh, the, the economists that I follow that read and write on a daily basis. Um, are of the same opinions, and I would I, I'd be remiss to say that I'm not influenced by them because I am, and um, but I've chosen them because of their long term track records, their outlook. They they're very practical people, and uh, uh, so I like what they have to say, and they have contacts in Washington that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an awful lot of uh, good stuff there. Uh, it's it's a good time. This is a very good time to be an investor. And I think people will look back, you know, 10 years from now and go, wow, well, I really wish I would have paid more attention. <laughs> the, uh, cause, you know, there was an awful lot of stuff to be afraid of. Uh, you know, fear sells, uh, in the media. You, I don't know. Most people have probably heard if it bleeds, it leads. You know, those, your leading stories, if they've got blood in them, it, you know, all the better. <laughs> cause that gets people's attention. But, um, bottom line is economy is actually doing quite well. Stocks are doing very well. Um, it's a little easier to make money right now than it has been in the stock market. Now, having said that, probably, you know, market probably crashes. I'm probably the one that uh, will be blamed for, <laughs> for that. But you, you got to realize something that we keep talking about on this show, that when you have a fractional reserve banking system, monetary system, and it's independent, you know, which is a very key, you know, Trump cannot order the no president can order the Fed and tell them what to do. Congress can't do it, and neither can the Senate. Now, they could all get together and pass new laws. Good luck. The uh, And you need to leave it alone because it does very well. And these guys have the ability to adjust 
on the fly. So when they see something coming or when something happens that's unexpected, they can adjust. And that's why stocks are so much higher. That's what actually it's part of the whole picture is that, you know, inflation kind of creeps in, uh, in the companies causing inflation. Guess what? They're the companies that are selling you the food, the gas, the cars, the houses, the clothing. Necessities. Yes. And uh, that's why those stocks, the, those companies have a tendency to do better. Because they, they aren't going to take the rising inflation on the chin. They're going to raise prices. And they'll try to cut their expenses. So they've got a lot of options available. The Fed's got a lot of options available. And uh, this stuff really works. It works very well. And around the world, you know, the United States was one of the few... Germany, England, and the United States. Okay. We all use the fractional reserve banking system. Italy used it somewhat. Um, there were some other countries that were using it. it. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, out of the top 10 economies in the world, all of them have a fractional reserve. So you got to figure that they're probably onto something and we didn't invent it. We copied it. So it, it's a good thing. It's a self healing mechanism. Now, the rate of healing is affected by what they do, and it's affected by government spending. It's affected by taxes. But the bottom line is, sooner or later, it heals. And uh, so far, we don't have any real big problems that have uh, popped up yet. I guess these are kind of the garden variety problems that you always have. The uh, and. When you get lots of large losses by banks, that's a big problem. That's when markets tend to go down a lot. It takes them a long time to recover. Uh, eventually they do because again, you know, they're going to make the corrections. They're going to circulate the money. They'll get the, they'll pump it back up. And that's basically how it works. So, um, and you're, you're probably studying a lot of that stuff in, in school now. Yeah. A lot of the macroeconomics is all about this sort of thing, you know, the fractional reserve and how, how different nations control their economies or, Maybe don't control their economies. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I did not know this for years after I got out of college. The uh, um, But if you want to find out really good economic data on a country, go to the CIA's website. The CIA actually tracks the economic data of every country. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's what I thought when I first uh, realized it. I was like, wait a minute, what? The CIA? You know, and then I, oh, yeah. It's kind of pertinent to them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, it, it, wealth of information there. It's it just, it's amazing. And uh, the coolest part about this is back when I was in college, uh, the reason I didn't know that is because Al Gore had not invented the internet yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, once that came along, you know, and I just, yeah, I, I got to stop using that joke. It's it's way too old. And uh, actually none of the uh, uh, millennials know who he was. <laughs> I mean, some of them do, but uh, the vast majority of them don't. And uh, well, I shouldn't say that a lot of them don't, but anyway, so look out for the bull. It's uh, we got the names reserved. We've got the uh, email set up. Uh, we've got a designer coming in. We've got actually two designers, but the uh, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I've, haven't set the, the date, the official date for the next seminar, but it's going to be sometime, uh, maybe a week or two after Labor Day. Um, people get, you know, things start settling down. The temperature starts to drop a little bit. Yeah, man, I can't imagine doing a seminar in that building with all the sunlight that hits it. Uh, in, whew, not, 
not no thanks. <laughs> that would just be hot. I'm not sure the air conditioners would are capable of of uh, cooling that big of a space in a fairly short time period. But uh, if you have a question, by the way, that sometimes I'm uh, I've been traveling a lot, so I've had to pre-record the shows. Today is a live show. You can call us at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Uh, that's 216-901-0945 if you have a question. Um, you can also go to my website when we put the next seminar up. You can sign up there for free. If you, if you want to get together for a Get Acquainted meeting, there's no charge for that. So you can just reach out on the website, uh, give us a heads up, send us an email, and we'll uh, be glad to try to set something up for you. Um, I'm not sure what kinds of uh, questions you might have. It's That's one of the fascinating things about my business Everybody's different. I mean, everybody is different. And uh, husbands and wives, you know, it's it's amazing how many married couples have totally different views on uh, investing and finance. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, I would recommend just, you know, having 30 years experience. You may want to discuss that with somebody before you get married. <laughs> it's a good idea. The uh, it's not always necessary, but in most cases that you're on the same page financially uh, will really uh, aid your goal of having a nice marriage. And what I'd like to do is to make the uh, the joke: Are you married or are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> obsolete <laughs> like to just push that out the uh but in a big part of that is uh you know financially being on the same ground most of what you learn in the, in this business actually can be boiled down to stuff that's relatively simple problem is you have to learn the complicated stuff to know which ones that you actually need and which ones you don't you know so you have to know how something works to know whether it's effective or not okay and there's a lot of effort into learning a lot of stuff where you go, oh, okay, that's nice. And that'll come into play maybe once every thousand times. Uh, and if it ever does, I'll know that. But it's it's not really necessary to mainstream finance. You don't really have to know that too much. So, But that's for people like us um, to, to have to know so that you don't have to. So that when you ask that question that comes up one in a thousand times, it's, you, know, you know the answer and you can kind of explain what you're doing and why it is or is not that pertinent to your situation. Um, I'm going to take a real quick phone call right now. I got Joe. Joe, you're on uh, the Bullington Capital Report. Yeah, I was wondering if you could just talk about some of your past uh, stocks you talked about. What? Which ones? Right there. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Salem, Salem and Rail. Oh, you like the late, you like the losers. <laughs> I thought you were going to, uh, yeah, I still have Salem. Salem owns this, uh, radio station, by the way, uh, dividend right. yields, dividend yields really high. Um, they have, they, they have substantial debt, but we talked about that from the get go. And, uh, why didn't you ask about discovery financial solutions, which is up over 50% or Procter and Gamble, which is up 75. <laughs> okay. I mean, I still have Procter and Gamble. I didn't get discovery. Okay. And by the way, if you were to look into your funds, you're going to see stocks that are down 70 or 80%. You're going to see other stocks that are up a couple hundred percent. That's just how they work. You know, and if you don't, if you didn't know that before, now you do. (laughs) 
But that's just how stocks work. And I didn't, whenever I'm buying stuff like this, I am not putting a lot of money into it. The vast majority of my money is in a fund that's run by an algorithm, basically a mathematical formula that I'm familiar with. That's where the vast majority, and that's where the vast majority of your, your money belongs is invested that way. So I could actually lose money on nine out of 10 of the individual stocks I pick and it will have no impact on my life whatsoever. <laughs> and that's why I'm so smart alecky about it. <laughs> that's why I'm not worried about it because it's not a lot of money for me. And, uh, and I, you know, everybody I talk to, how much should you have in one stock? You never go above 5% in, as far as I'm concerned. You put more than 5% of your money in one stock, you're asking for it. Now, I don't care what Kramer says. You are not diversified with five stocks. That's not diversification. That'll get you killed, especially if you have Salem and Rail. <laughs> if those were your two five, you'd be in big trouble. So uh, anyway, do you, do you have uh, any other questions for me? Well, I was just wondering if Salem... Have you heard anything new about Salem? I, you know, I have, and uh, I really like them. i got to be really careful, though. They own this station, uh, and uh, I, this could be considered insider. I, I can promise you I've never spoken with the CEO personally. I don't know the controller. The uh, I never repeat anything that hasn't been already written about these guys. But I can tell you that, uh, so they own the fish, 955thefish.com. I do a lot of advertising there, and I can tell you that it's actually been the best advertising that I've done. And, uh, and I've done a lot of stuff. I've done television, radio, the uh, magazines, uh, newspaper. And for me, the fish has been the best. So I didn't put enough money in that stock to jeopardize, even though I really like it a lot. And, and it's really helped me out uh, in my professional career. Uh, actually, and it just makes me feel better. I don't know if you've ever listened to the fish, but it, it's a pretty good station. It's the only one I even listen to on uh, FM anymore. But so all that stuff. And the stock is still down about 75% from where I bought it. <laughs> but see, I learned not to fall in love with any company because there are things that can happen that you just can't control. You can't control it. All right, how, how about the question is, would you buy some more right now? Uh, yeah, and in fact, I, I may go on. I'll probably do that, um, The uh, mainly because it, it's got a huge dividend. Um, they're generating a lot of yeah. cash flow. Here's the risk. They have a lot of debt. You know, this station uh, has a lot of debt. They need to be able to pay that and cover their interest expenses. Uh, and if it, if you know, push comes to shove, if if advertising revenues, which can be very fickle, okay, that's the other thing. That's the other reason that I put didn't load up on it is because I know the industry. You know, when the economy starts going back, the thing people cut first is the advertising budget. They always have, probably always will. Okay. But Salem's doing a lot of other things. They're doing a lot of really smart things, I think, to uh, improve their customers' experiences. That's incredibly uh, for, um, looking into the future for them. I forgot what the word for that was. <laughs> they're uh, they're actually looking into the future and getting involved in, in digital marketing, uh, which I think is the way of the future. So they're actually trying to meld the digital marketing platforms with the radio, the regular broadcast radio. By the way, the people in the country that have the most money, they're above the age of 65. That's where, nine, uh, I'm sorry, 50% uh, of the wealth is concentrated in the hands of people above the age of 65. They still like the radio. They, they still like radio. So they don't really care what comes across Bluetooth on their 
iPhone, and they probably don't have an iPhone. <laughs> They're listening to the radio. And uh, FM's a, a, a better signal. It carries really far. The technology's improving on that. They've got all, it, it's just, it, I think they're making a lot of good moves in a very, very tough industry. The industry itself is, you know, it's been under attack because you have, you can carry your smartphone around, you can sync it up with Bluetooth, you can get Pandora through your dashboard. Um, it's tough. So that's why I didn't, that's why I didn't load up on it, you know, but, you know, I do like it. And uh, now that you brought this up, I think I'll cut my average cost down by about 75%, <laughs> about 60% or so, and just add some shares to it. But uh, I have to, you know, again, I have to tell you, you do this at your own risk. They do have a lot of debt. I don't know anybody in the uh, upper management of this company other than what I've read online. And uh, I just really like the company. So, um, but I learned a long time ago. Most people really like a company and they'll invest solely based on that without ever looking at the numbers. I, I knew the risk before I ever bought the first share and I knew it was very, that's why I don't have a ton of money in it, you know, but do, do you know why rail uh, cut their dividend? Uh, yeah, because they're not selling as many cars as they had been cutting, uh, selling before or rail cars. And, uh, and that's been a real problem. That, that's a huge problem. They still have a lot of cash. Uh, and, but it, it's got financial difficulties. Stocks normally don't go down for no reason whatsoever. Uh, stocks either overpriced and just going to normal or it's got financial difficulties, economic difficulties. You know, that would be both of those are in the category of economic difficulties. Rail builds mostly cars for coal. I'm not sure how much longer we'll be burning coal, you know, and, and I thought, you know, that they were going to, uh, uh, use some of the clean coal concepts, but evidently the uh, utilities don't want to spend the kind of money it takes to build those plants. You know, they'd rather build a dam to keep back all the ash and watch it break <laughs> because it won't break for another 30 or 40 years. <laughs> and they'll be, they'll be out of office at that point, right? Yeah. So um, just because somebody should do something doesn't mean they will. And uh, that's one of the things that's really frustrating about being in this business because we get to hear things, we get to learn things that are happening that, that, you know, every major problem the world has, has minimally, minimally five viable solutions that would wipe that problem out. At least five. They almost never get done. <laughs> Occasionally they do. But hey, Joe, I got to take a real quick commercial break. You're welcome to hang on if you'd okay. like to. No, no. Oh. So you're listening to Bill and Mike. We'll be back right after these commercial messages. This time, dark skies leave me capsized. And you're listening to Mike Seeger and Bill Bullington right here every Saturday morning. Well, uh, at least I am. Mike probably will be one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as he graduates. I might stick around. We'll see. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'm going to go right to the phones. If you'd like to call in, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. And Phil, is this Uncle Phil? Uncle Phil on the phone. All right. <laughs> How hey, are you Phil. doing? Uh, good. Thanks. You know, some, well, several, a few months ago, you made a pretty big change i think yep. uh 
switching out of the dividend model, which was fine, right. into uh, which is 40-some stocks. And now you have two ETFs, which is like 1,000 stocks almost. Uh, you you want to walk yeah, me through uh, you, why you did that? And I'm sure. happy with it. And obviously, it's performance-based. Uh, I'm yep. thinking you thought you'd do better. Right. But talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. Actually, the um, the two models I picked for that, they're called the Russell uh, Value, Mid-Cap Value, Russell Mid-Cap Growth. And when you put those two together and you rebalance them on an uh, annual basis, the uh, the performance has been one of the few things that's actually kept up with the S&P over the past five years. If you go back even further and you look at that over the past 10 years or even 15 years, it's had really good results with lower volatility than the uh, dividend model. So... If okay. you can, if you can keep the returns and and eliminate some of the the volatility, some of the fluctuation, yeah. I, I think that's a good thing to do. And so that was really the reason. Now, the way that those funds are selected, by the way, uh, putting them together like that was actually better in my in my testing than just buying the Russell Midcap Index. It actually ended up smoothing it out more so than just buying the regular old index by buying the value oriented one and then the growth oriented one. Now, the growth-oriented one has a momentum factor built into it. So, like, a lot of people were asking, because I took the momentum model and replaced it with that, too. They're going, why did you do that? Well, because we have we, we would be duplicating a lot of the same stocks. The okay. uh, There's a momentum factor built into that growth model. Uh, makes me kind of nervous because those are aggressive. You know, they're running. When that thing's running, it's really running. When it's crashing, it's really crashing. <laughs> Yeah, but that's where the okay. value-oriented stuff has a tendency not to fluctuate quite as much, and okay. so if if you want to try to time the market without timing the market, because doing that by looking at a chart or reading the news, hearing the news is impossible in, in most cases. And I'm going to say when I say most, I'm talking about nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine out of a million. Okay. Okay. The uh, so, but if if you look at uh, uh, basically the risk-adjusted performance on that, it's just been really, really, really tough to beat. And here's something else. I just I just learned this. I mean, you. I thought I was done with school. You know, 30 years ago. Sorry, sure. still learning. So the ETF industry lobbied Congress, and they. I don't. I I was not even aware of this up until just recently. Okay. But when you have an ETF, you only get taxed, and many of them work this way, not all of them, but you only get taxed as a long-term capital gain as long as you've held that for more than a year. The vast majority of them will only, you're, you're only going to pay long-term capital gains taxes when you rebalance your portfolio. So if you wait for a year and a day or a year and six months, um, you're going to get long-term capital gain tax treatment on that. If you're doing mutual funds, you may get a capital gain distribution. And typically when the market's down a lot, you get a capital gain distribution. And a lot of those are going to be considered short-term gains because somebody that just got in there less than a year ago and pulled out is going to cause you to have to pay more taxes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a, yeah, really, it is. that's a really big deal. So All my money is tied up in debt or in uh, uh, IRA type accounts, so it doesn't affect me too much. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, uh, previous caller, uh, a couple of mentions I have to give you. I remember driving home from Tennessee several years ago, and JC, and not JC Benny, but uh, Disney, which you suggested, right. uh, was about $25. Yeah. Now it's about 140 Yeah. Um, there's the, Another uh, one I remember. 
uh, jazz, <laughs> jazz pharmaceutical. Yeah. I think you suggested it under yeah. 20. Yeah. I don't know what it is now. I think it's over 100. It's uh, 138. The, um, nice. But, you know, I all these things were stocks that uh, I either just bought a small amount in or I had a trailing stop on them. So I'm not I'm not real emotional over the stocks. Um, I just don't I just don't allow myself to do that because they're like um, bad lovers. Sooner or later, they're going to disappoint you. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Really really crappy. As I'm the elderly now, uh, I used to really enjoy messing around with individual Mm -hmm. stocks. Right. And even the ones I own, I think I'm around three percent. Right. Uh, in, as far as waiting, sure. You know, is that like a normal thing for that, uh, that's a good one. older that, folks? Actually, that that from an institutional standpoint, you'd be considered aggressive because you got three percent. But institutions, they're like they put point seven five percent in you know hundreds of stocks. Um, right. The uh, but no three percent that's pretty good. I I wouldn't go yeah. much more than five. You know, if something gets right. up over five percent, it's okay to keep it. When it gets over ten, I'd cut it back. You know, I would just gotcha. cut it back. But yeah, well, you're doing a great job, I think. Oh, no, I think you're doing a great job because uh, you, you stay. <laughs> I, I've known you now for a long time. You're, you have a really cool head and a, and a good positive demeanor. And uh, that's why you're successful investing. You know, it's psychological. Thank you, Thank you. Yeah. All right, pal. All right. Well, have a good weekend. You too, buddy. See yep. you. Bye-bye. Yeah. The, uh, uh, I think he learned that from being a fireman. Yeah, because uh, being a fireman, you're going to run into a burning building. Uh, you got to have a little bit of nerve <laughs> for that. The uh, thank goodness for those guys. Yeah, the, uh, they make pretty good money too, by the way, and uh, they earn it. You know, they risk their lives literally uh, every time you run into a burning building. So it's pretty cool. And by the way, the uh, people in the fire department in my place will come out and uh, put up your smoke detectors for you for free. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm trying to pay them. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Mine are a high. Uh, <laughs> I have a 20-foot ceiling. And uh, you get, man, the ladders, uh, you got to have to get up there. It's pretty rough. Anyway. So, the uh, hey, Mike, was there anything that, uh, that you thought you might want to talk about? Um, I remember you mentioned something before the show about how it's been roughly 18 months since the market's seen any, what did you call them? Flash crashes. Flash crashes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's been quite a while. And uh, flash crashes, when you see the markets go down a lot in one day, um, and I don't mean like a, a 3 or 4%, I mean like a, a over 5% in one day. We had one 5% drop uh I'm sorry. No, it wasn't 5%. We haven't had the 5% drop. We had a 5% recovery day. Now think about that. So back near the end of December, okay, it was actually December 24th. It was Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. So it makes the low for the year. And the next day that the market was open, which was the 26th, okay, the day after Christmas, it goes up 5% in a day merry christmas (laughs) by the way if you missed that five percent yeah well because the it's not the five percent that you missed Mm -hmm. it's the compounding on the five percent because it's up nearly 30 percent since then so 30 percent of five percent you cost yourself one and a half percent of your total by missing one day and uh that is amazing and uh, I did have, uh, I, I am never allowed to, by the way, I, I can't talk about anybody's financial uh, position, what they do. I can't even discuss it between spouses unless they have a letter on file that says it's okay. 
Now, we're allowed to talk about it if they're sitting there in front of me and they're okay with that. But if somebody gives me the high signs and, and shakes their head, I have to stop talking. <laughs> That's pretty wild. You have to get stuff in writing. Uh, so I can't really disclose uh, this person, but we we had someone that we know very well who sold at the low of the bottom. <laughs> Managed to capture within a quarter of a point, a quarter of a 1%, the low, and then missed the uh, the rebound. And, you know, it's the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, uh, you can't make him drink, uh, especially when the water keeps, uh, you know, gyrating. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, uh, it, it's hard. Uh, all of finance is literally, um, it's psychological. Uh, I should say 95% of it. Five five percent's technical, and by the way, it doesn't sound like a lot. Well, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of pages, so five percent's pretty good. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in there, but the ninety five percent of it though is really don't do anything really dumb. Uh, try not to try to learn to avoid those things, uh, and if you just avoid making the big mistakes, you, you're fine. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes that people make investors make is they look at the past one three and five year track records or even 10 year track records without knowing how those were achieved that is telling you nothing all it's telling you is where they've been it doesn't tell you anything about what it's going to do in the future all of the effect and none of the cause basically. right exactly that's the biggest mistake you're going to see people make they're going to judge the uh their investments based on performance without knowing how that was achieved if you don't know how it's achieved you're not going to know how it's going to get repeated. And just looking at the numbers, it's totally useless if you don't have other criteria that you're adding to that. The ones that, and by the way, the ones that typically have done the best are the ones that have just gone up the most. That's just what you want to do, right? Buy something that's just shot up a mile. (laughs) And that's when you want to, and that's what happens. Uh, Average investor looks at that and doesn't know why. They don't even know why because it seems to make common sense. Well, just buy the one that's got the best track record. Well, yeah, it's actually a little more complicated than that. Not a lot, but it's, you know, it's like leaving the, the, the sugar out of brownies. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just one ingredient. Why should that matter? Well, you know, you like, like the taste of cocoa with, with no sugar in it. And by all means, go ahead and do that. The, uh, but you leave that out or leave out, uh, um, Yeast from a loaf of bread, you know, you got a pancake. <laughs> it's not going to rise. And by the way, the amount of yeast that you put into a loaf of bread is incredibly small. So it's just like that with investing. There are factors, factors that matter. They're relatively small. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of stuff. Here's a factor. I was just talking to, I talk about this almost every day. How much can I take out from my investments? The, uh, well, they don't actually say that. They say, well, I need this much money to live on. And normally it's like 40, 50,000, something like that. Well, how much do you have? I have a hundred thousand. Wow. Um, see, I'm not allowed because I'm a fiduciary. I'm allowed, not allowed to tell you that it would be safe to take out more than four to 6%, which is four to $6,000 on a hundred thousand. That's the range. And it depends on your age. Uh, most of your age and your risk tolerance, but the, uh, your ability to, to handle fluctuation. That's what risk tolerance is. 
So if you're looking at that, uh, for every $100,000 that you have, you should be limiting your spending to somewhere between four and $6,000 a year. That's not a whole lot of money. On, on a monthly basis, that's, you know, you're talking about 350 to 500 bucks. And they need to start teaching this to kids when they're 12. When, they're, when I was 12 years old, I knew enough of the math. I could do the percentages. And then I would say, wow, so if I wanted to have, let's say I wanted to have $100,000 and I was going to take out 5% a year, I would need $2 million? Yep. <laughs> That's the math. And it's so disappointing that they're not teaching that. And we may have to do something about that. I was thinking about putting together a game that you could have 11 and 12-year-olds play that would kind of drive that point home. I would have got it. I know I did because I had a paper out. The, uh, I could do percentages really well, but mm-hmm. <laughs> back in those days. The, uh, anyway, I got to take a real quick phone call. If you'd like to call us, 216-901-0945. And I got Walter. Walter, you're on the Bullington Capital Report. Hey, Bill. Hey. Um, I don't usually make uh, market predictions, but yesterday I was looking at uh, PBS, the stock market show. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the treasury uh, bonds, you know, five, ten-year, two-year notes. Yep. Right. And when people say, you know, you always hear, how's the stock market going to do in the future? You know, I was looking at the Treasury notes, and I thought to myself, you know, I don't make predictions usually because I don't know. But the market should do okay, and for this simple reason. Banks and Treasury uh, bonds are paying basically nothing. Right. You know, so, I (laughs) mean, the other asset class, you know, what the stock market does is in direct correlation to what the other asset class are paying and they're paying nothing. Yeah, actually the uh the correlations will stay pretty highly correlated for a long time. Eventually they they kind of diverge for a while. So the correlation's not like 100%, it's more like 0.7 on certain investment vehicles. Most uh correlations are actually a lot lower than that. Uh, the uh, but you're right. That's what I've been talking about for a long time. How are you going to retire on a CD that's paying less than two percent? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a ten-year ten-year Treasury bonds paying two percent even. Right. You know that's nothing. That's you know that that's twenty thousand dollars on a million bucks. You got to have a million dollars to get twenty thousand dollars. By the way, you're going to pay taxes on the twenty thousand, so you're probably going to get about fifteen hundred dollars a month if you have a million dollars if you're going to invest in Treasuries. And uh, it's one of the, the the things I struggle with a lot. And uh, there are a lot of products out there that people are pitching to people that sound good, that also are not going to pay very much. Um, an equity indexed annuity. Uh, if you want to invest in an annuity, look for an investment only product. There are a handful of them out there. Um, these equity indexed annuities, they're, they're just not good. You just won't make money on them. And, you know, uh, I, I hear the commercials by one particular person all the time on those things. I oh, agree man. with you. You yeah. know, the, the thing that gets me with those, like you said, equity-based annuities, the thing that gets to me is he's promoting something that's tied into the stock market, and then he's promoting fear of the stock market. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, th- th- does that but, make any sense? Uh, it, it, well, it, mm, I'll have to talk about it after we come back from these commercial messages. Do you want to hang on? or? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks. Listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. We'll be back after these messages. You know there's peace inside, but still you're searching for someone who understands the pain you've been through. What the Father awaits with open
back. Hey, Walter, you're still there? Uh, I yeah. guess. Oh, hey. So, do you have another question for us? Um, yeah, I got an uh, investment story involving someone else uh, to kind of as a lesson to your audience. Um, uh, I have a friend. He's a great investor. His sister-in-law called him about some investing advice, and she wanted to know how to roll over uh, something into an IRA from work, you know, 401K, that kind of thing. Sure. Yep. technical thing. Right. And he was explaining it to her, but he says, you know, she didn't quite understand his explanation. So he says, I could tell she wanted her hand held. So she went to an accountant, uh, CPA, where she lives in Mentor. Okay. And while she's there, he was selling her on a mutual fund. Okay. Uh, I think it was Massachusetts AA or something okay. like that. And we Don't should get really, exactly yeah, right on that. Yeah. We shouldn't but, name it anyway. That, so that's uh, good. Okay. But in the end, she had like $300,000 to invest. She doesn't know much about investing. And she was called him back and said, should I do this? And she, according to him, she had the check just about written to put in this fund. This guy really sold her. He says, I'm rich because of, I do this kind of stuff. You know, I know sure. the inside and out. And he said that uh, to get into the fund, she had to pay like a 5% front-end load. And he warned her, "Don't do that." He says, "You come in with three hundred thousand, and within an hour, you're down to two eighty-five. Yeah, the uh, that's an old fund, and if it's got a five, man, I can't imagine a because there's normally a break point at two hundred fifty thousand. I'm not even sure they're allowed to do that anymore. But the uh, but it is a lot. I mean, the front end loaded funds are a lot. Um, if you've got a really good fund, it's got a long term track record. Eventually, they may close that gap, but there are a lot less expensive ways to do that. I'm a big fan of exchange traded funds because not only uh, do you, a, one of my custodians doesn't charge a commission. They only, only charges, you know, five bucks, but uh, uh, the fees are much lower on that kind of stuff. So that's my favorite way to invest. Plus they tell you exactly how they're managing the money. I mean, exactly. You can find out exactly how that money is being managed. When you're investing in a fund that's run by a management company, they kind of tell you what their goal is, but you really don't have any idea of what's in that fund because the manager has discretion. That means they can pick by pick and choose whatever they want. And you better hope the manager doesn't get divorced because that's really going to change his mindset. Yeah. <laughs> or her. Yeah. The, uh, and you know, it, it's a, it's just a people thing. I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm what people refer to as a quant. I like quantitative stuff. Like there are certain factors, like profitability and dividends. Somebody, somebody was calling in earlier talking about, yeah, the dividend yield. There's a fund, a new fund, and I don't have to do a lot of background research on this because I know Russell and I've done a lot of testing and I know these factors that profitability, size, and the fact that you pay a dividend, those are three factors that count. Uh, volatility beta, throw that out the window. It's garbage. Okay. They don't work. The uh, size, profitability, and a dividend, oh, you give it enough time period, it has had a tendency to work, and there are good reasons for that. Companies that are, are profitable and are increasing their profits should go up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And a company that's crashed, who's going along the bottom, who's bouncing along the bottom where the volatility gets low, you're putting it in because of that, and that company could have a boatload of debt. That doesn't mean it's a good company, but that will make the low beta program if it stays in the basement for a couple of years 
right before it stays in the basement for 10 or 15 years before they go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so there are certain factors that actually um, that matter more than others. And uh, uh, when I see that and a fund comes out like that, I'm going, yeah, that, 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 that's a really good thing. Uh, but you know, it takes, it takes a while to be able to figure that out. And I, I just feel so bad for the public because there's so much information now. And when I first started, there were only 1500 mutual funds. That was it. That was it. Entire country, 1500. Now there's 60,000 in my database. Six, there are only about 3000 stocks big enough for them to invest in, <laughs> which is really wild. Uh, uh, one last question on the uh, stock market-based annuities. Sure. Um, the thing that he never talks about, I listen to this guy occasionally, yep. is that when you have a good year, like this year so right. far has been right. a good year for sure. the market, right? Yep. Right. It's up about 20%. You're not going to get that gain no. in a stock market-based annuity. You no. get a partial gain, don't you? A, a super small portion of it, too. And it, by the way, it's done on a monthly basis. They recalculate that month to month. So it's not like you're going to get 60% of what you made in the first six months. It's you're going to get 60% of what's made in one of those months. And, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, you know, just, I would stay away from those. They're called equity indexed annuities. I'm not a big fan. I'm, I'm just not a big fan. Um, investment only good. You know, there are two out there that I really like a lot. The expenses are super low. You could not get those if you were to buy them on your own. You get, institutional funds, which you normally have to have a million dollars per fund to qualify for. And you get access to those with 15,000 bucks, you know, so that those I like, but, uh, the equity index, not, not a big fan. Okay. But anyway, Hey, thanks for calling. I need to get this other guy's call. He's been holding it for about 15 okay. minutes here. Thank you. But thanks for calling him. JR. Hey, good morning, William. Hey, I um, have closed out my positions in Beyond Meat in advent of Monday's uh, earnings report. Okay. And uh, I'd like to hear a discourse on the old saying, buy on the rumor, sell on... Was it buy on the rumor, sell on the fact? Is that correct? Um, you know what? There's a saying the, that's similar. On the there's, a sell, there's a saying that's similar to that, but... You know, there's also a saying that says, buy in May, go away, don't come back till November. I've and, heard that one also. Okay, well, that would kill your returns. <laughs> well, it's right until they're not, you know, and then when they're nobody, not, then you feel really bad. <laughs> nobody has any any idea what's going to happen on Monday, but should the uh, stock get hammered, it's, it's going to have to uh, get a new reentry point, is it not? Well, here's the thing. Beyond Meat, and I read all about the company. Um, it's been asked to me by a bunch of people. The, the revenue past 12 months has been growing like crazy. Uh, they, it, it's up to 100 million. So they go from nothing three years ago up to 100 million bucks. That's, that's a really fast growth rate. It's selling at $14 billion. I know. That, it's absolutely okay. insane. Okay. That's a hundred. Let me tell you something, Jerry. If somebody offers you 140 times your salary to, to buy your job so they can show up and do everything you're doing every day and get paid what you're getting paid, if they offer you 140 years 
worth of your salary in a day and you don't take it, you are never allowed to call back into this radio show. (laughs) It's absolutely insane. I agree. But there's got to be some money to be made on the insanity of others. Well, if I were to if I were to have to take a a flyer because, you know, and uh, Mike and I were just talking about this. You know who Isaac Newton is, right? Of course. Okay, so some of my reading online, so I can't verify this, was that he actually was able to calculate the the light uh, uh, speed of light before they had computers. Okay, so not, if that's, <laughs> that's true, that's you know, pretty heavy. he's pretty smart, right? Yeah, yeah. He lost all of his money in the Dutch tulip bulb craze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he had a good all sense right. of humor about it. He wrote, I can calculate the movements of heavenly bodies, but I fail to calculate the madness of men. That's what he said. That was his only comment. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, yeah, that, exactly. And, and basically, beyond me is a tulip bulb. And your guess, yeah. as good as anybody's, at when it's going to finally come back down to earth. Now, if I wanted to make some money on this, okay, uh-huh. I would go buy a long-term, out-of-the-money put. Okay? You I would buy, buy a put, huh? Yeah. I would okay. buy a long-term. I'd actually buy a leap. And I would probably okay. take the leap out. Maybe at the stock closed at two thirty four. I would probably look at the leaps that are around one fifty. Okay, because okay. this stock's not going to go down fifty percent. This stock's going to go down eighty ninety. Okay. No, I would assume so. Sure. Yeah, and to, just eighty to, or ninety where, from where it is today. Yeah, just to get down to a nor a more reasonable level. Now, the company itself has a great story, by the way. I mean, the story is phenomenal. In fact, when I read the story, I was like, oh, man. And then I went back and looked at the numbers and go, oh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's really fascinating what's, what's going on. It just, it's unbelievable that it will keep on going at the rate it has, of course. Well, you know, it will until it doesn't. You know, and well, un- unfortunately. It's got to be a, all good things must come to an end, as they say. Well, you might pray real hard, you know. That, <laughs> Maybe you'll get, All right. Maybe you'll get I just it. wanted. Well, it has rewarded rewarded some people quite well, but uh, oh yeah, smart ones yeah. So did Amazon. You know, right before it went down ninety five percent and took ten years to recover. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's hey, very good. I, thanks for calling. Though I hear the music, we got to we got to take off. All right. Thank you. Have Bill. a good weekend. Good Bye. So you've been listening to Bill Bullington and Mike Seeger here on uh, fourteen twenty. You guys can pick up this as a podcast on 955thefish.com or bullingtoncapital.com. Have a good week, good investing, good looking. Thanks again, Mike, for showing up. Thanks for having me. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice 
from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.